main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Eerie Americas. This is Vicky Ayala. And this is Christy Hull. What up, y'all? What's up? What's up? Uh, I don't know about you. I mean, I know about you, but I don't know about you guys out there. Uh, we are pretty tired this weekend. Yeah. I, it's, I guess it's right after Thanksgiving. It's just, even if you did nothing, you're still mentally taxing somehow. And I know you're physically going through some stuff right now too, but I'm just, ex- I'm tired. Like we were, before we hit record, we were like, what do we talk about? Like, And I said, I was going to talk about the fact that I'm really tired. I might yawn. <laughs> I have no personality today. Sorry, guys. I'm just really exhausted. This is the first time I'm getting real Daria and Jane Lane vibes from the both of us. We were just like, hey, hey. Usually at least one of us is like, okay. like, And I'm like, no, it's both of us. Like, today's just whatever. Like, let's just get this over with. I like to get my Christmas shopping done really early. I don't know why. It's just something my mom did. My mom was one of those people that bought Christmas gifts in August if she saw something. And my mom would be done by like October. My husband and I are the worst. And we tell each other everything that we buy each other. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if any, like, literally thing. every single gift. I even guess sometimes his surprise a mini gifts. surprise, but like the big gifts. Oh, he tried. He, already he tried knows. to surprise me, and I already. I made him give me a hint and then I guessed what it was. So like, really, I know every single gift. You totally ruined it. The one thing that I really wanted was um, no, I wanted a over ear noise canceling headphones because I'm actually really sick of the AirPods. Um, it's funny. He went to go buy it for me at Best Buy because they were having a sale. He went to go pick it up and then he found a color that was better. He's like, hey, do you like these? I'm like, yeah, well, you already bought it for me. So he was like, all right, how about you buy these and we'll switch and you could give me the ones I was going to give you. And then you have this super cool limited edition color from Amazon. So we have thieves in my building. And I contacted Amazon and I was like, hey, can you please make sure that signature is required when they drop this off? I don't want anybody to steal it. I finally left my apartment yesterday to actually physically go buy something in a store that for some reason their website wasn't working and that's record for her she hasn't gone into a store that i know of. i don't go into store i didn't even like going into stores before covid i always do all my shopping online but i was like all right it's her ryan like i'll go see if they have it in the store the streets are already too crowded for me i'm like do you guys not know what's going on in the world right now like why are there so many people out in the street long story short i go into two different stores probably was exposed to covid like in those fucking stores there was no (laughs) ventilation I left those stores as quickly as possible. They didn't have anything I was looking for. And while I'm outside, I get a text message from Amazon asking how they did with my delivery. And I'm like, they not only did they not get a signature, they didn't even ring the doorbell. They left it. There's two, you know, when you come into a building and the first door doesn't have a lock and then you have the intercom and then they unlock the other door. They left it in between the building. Like so not anybody just, could walk in. So it's it's not just anyone in the building. Like literally any human. Anybody can could take have this. walked anybody could have just opened the door. And I'm like, this is why I fucking hate everyone. And this is what I get for going outside and trying to go to a store. I not only didn't get to buy the item I was gonna buy, now I'm gonna be freaked out thinking I have COVID. And I almost got my package stolen. And I was like, technically, I could have been an asshole and told Amazon somebody stole that package and got another one for free, but I didn't do that. I just yeah. contacted them and told them that their driver sucks. Okay, so this is my conundrum about this conversation. I completely understand your frustration. I understand it's like super unprofessional. Even if they didn't require a signature for them to leave it in between the passageway makes it completely wrong. But Bezos made 330 million more dollars since this lockdown and they underpay all these guys and they're so stressed out and they don't care. And so 
I take, of course, that there should, should be responsibility on the driver's end, but there should come from a company perspective. And this is what bothers me about Amazon. Like, I feel bad that I feel like a cog in that machine because I feel upper hand over this holiday season because I can get two day shipments or I can go on Etsy. You can you can basically buy stuff from all these different sellers in but one then, spot and get it. Then. But then it's nine dollars for shipping each separate individual item yeah, for the sellers. That, then it says it's coming December 5th. I need it sooner than that just to make sure I get it out on time. So Amazon wins because they can get it to me in two days for cheaper and one seller. So it's one unified free shipping. And it makes me feel terrible because I'm like, man, I wish that these drivers got a break. I know how hard they work. I've read stories. I know people that have worked for them and have quit. I know that they're, they're so hard into keeping their employees right now that if you stay for five years and quit, they'll give you a thousand for each year you're staying there as motivation to keep you there for at least a year. That's sad. And there has to be something that changes from Amazon perspective. Like I wish Bezos was more of a human and would treat people as real people. Why do you need $330 million in a six-month period when you're already a billionaire? During a pandemic. Give it to the people that deserve it. And that's my point. Those drivers would not do that had they had they been paid properly and are not so mistreated. And that's what it boils down to. And it makes me feel so bad that I use Amazon as much as I do. What makes I me feel, feel even worse is I, I, can, I can at least deal with it if I'm using it to buy a gift for somebody else. The fact that it was for me actually made me feel worse. But I can say that I have – some of our stuff was bought through Amazon, mm-hmm. but for the most part – I have We've been buying Etsy. everything from yeah. I why well, I, I Etsy the funny thing is I'm so happy Etsy's so big now but I've been Etsying all of everybody's gifts for a very long time for like really years have. and you Etsy'd a lot of the stuff when we were preparing for this podcast to drop so like right. I remember so mm-hmm. everything I have pretty much Etsy'd everything I'm and and then I bought a gift on Etsy and the person actually messaged me and I want to give you something extra and I'm like you're a small business you're one person you're so happy that I bought something for somebody else that you're doing all of this extra stuff. You think Jeff Bezos gives a fuck? What the hell I buy on Amazon? No. And that's why yesterday was Small Business Saturday and I did post about a lot of small businesses on my personal page because people don't realize that like I have made like what I thought was a small insignificant sale. Like even with the wedding stuff, I remember one time I spent like 50 bucks during the pandemic. The person literally told me that I paid one of her bills during a pandemic. And it made me think like, you know what, I really need to start supporting small businesses more because I, especially this holiday season, this year is very, very difficult. There's going to be a lot of kids that might not see any Christmas gifts. If I can support a small business and help that person buy their kid a gift, I will do that. So some, so long story short, to my friends, some of your gifts might be late because I will wait the extra time on Etsy to make sure that I'm supporting a small business instead of Amazon and your shit. Yeah, the point is, is support if small you businesses. You know, if you have a, you know, supporting doesn't always mean buying either. If you have a friend with a small business, just post them. Like I posted a friend's business that mm-hmm. I've never used before just because I know that they had it. And just, just post about them. Just let people know because we're learning a lot during this pandemic. And some of that is that these small corporations need our help. Jeff Bezos will survive. Your $30 goes a lot further to someone else than it does for Bezos. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. they appreciate it so much. Everybody use Etsy. Everybody use small businesses. Amen, sister. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Please pay your fucking drivers more so that they ring my doorbell next time that they leave a package. Moral of that story. Yeah. He's never going to hear this, but (laughs) I'm just going to let him know while he's probably making... He's probably made a billion dollars just in this (laughs) catch-up. I forgot how much he makes per minute the other day somebody told me, but definitely in the in the couple minutes we've been speaking, he's made an obscene it's amount of money. some people's salary. Let's put it that way. It's some so. people's like lifetime savings mm-hmm. he's made in the time that we have been talking. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read a Reddit. It's from the ghost stories section. 
and it's actually pretty recent. It's from like 18 days ago. And okay. the user is Adrian Dunmore. And the title is the, the Three Ghosts. Hello, everyone out there. Writing my experiences down is getting fun more and more. And to hear that people are enjoying these fills me with happiness. It also helps a bit to deal with the experience I stumbled in, I think, which I totally agree. Writing about it sometimes makes it better. So today I thought you might be interested about the ghosts who haunt the house in which I grew up. Like the title says, there are three of them and I will try my best to tell you a bit each of them as much as I know about them. So let's get started. And again, if you have and if you have doubts, that's okay. I'm not angry at you. As a child, I lived a, I lived a long time with my mom by my grandma and my aunt because my father was a total asshole. Can totally relate. They are interested in the occult and paranormal things. My grandma even married a demonologist, my grandpa, who I, who I have sadly never met because he died years before I was born. My God, I would have loved if one of my family members was a Seriously. demonologist. I would never invite them inside the house, though, but I totally The conversations the would be so exciting. <laughs> they were young when they married, and after a while, they bought a house my grandpa stumbled across at his researches. That's a little scary. Actually, they didn't want to live there that long. My grandpa just thought it would be helpful with his studies, but they felt so comfortable there that they stayed. In his studies, my grandpa discovered that there are three paranormal beings who exist in this house, and over the years, he managed to figure it out a bit who these beings are. He asked the locals about past owners of the house and did a bunch of things to contact the entities, and in the end, he got three names and a bit of background story about them. Thomas, Maria, and Jonathan. I will start with Thomas. He was the most active of the three in the house. Once, he was one of the owners of the building who died because of a sickness, according to old locals, my grandpa asked. They described him as a nice person who cared much about other people, even if he didn't know them and helped others as good as he could. He had an open ear for everyone and tried to give them good advice, however he could, to solve their problems. But he also had his bad days, and when he was in a bad mood, he was throwing things around rooms. A characteristic he had even after he died but not that extreme. He never showed himself in the form of a person. And to this day, I don't know how he looked. I never had a photo. He only showed himself in the form of shadows passing by or in little movements. When he had a bad day, on the other hand, he was tossing things around. One time he even managed to throw a glass down from a cabinet in our kitchen. My Ooh. grandma was very angry at Thomas after that. So it's really crazy that they can have different characteristics in ghosts like they did in life. It's pretty cool. In the beginning, I was very afraid of him. For me, that whole stuff was new and I was just a little child, but my grandma said that there was nothing about him I have to fear. She then told me that if I see the shadows or movements, I can greet him. That would make Thomas happy. I tried it and my fear was gone. So this day, if I see something moving in this house, even when it's just the wind, I greet Thomas and I know it sounds weird, but sometimes the surroundings are filled with happiness after that. My aunt and me tried once to contact him through a Ouija board, but nothing happened. It seems like he doesn't want to communicate in other ways with us and we respect that. Next is Maria. Maria is one of the entities I'm a bit afraid of, although my grandma and my aunt told me that she is also harmless. She haunts the attic and would show herself just a few times. In all the years I lived with my grandma, I only noticed her three times in the form of steps and silent humming. I never went into the attic alone. Until today, I get goosebumps when I'm up there. It is cold there, and sometimes there is a slight smell of perfume. My girlfriend says that it smells like flowers or something. I don't know much about Maria. She was once the daughter of someone who owned the house, and according to the notes, it was in the late 1800s. My grandpa also mentioned that he could feel some sort of strong sadness one time when he was in the attic for his studies. I really want to know her story, but I think I'll, I'll, I will never find it out. Last is Jonathan. Out of all the ghosts, he is the most mysterious one. He appears only at certain times when it is very cold outside and fog lies over the landscape. Then sometimes you can see him in the early morning hours going through the mist around the house. He has the appearance of an old man with a very kind and peaceful attitude. When you meet him, he won't talk to you. He won't stop walking. He just looks at you with a kind smile and something will tell you that everything will be all right, that you are welcome here. I really don't know who he is. About him, there is nothing much in the notes, just his name and how he would behave when you meet him. 
So this was a little bit of a different story today, more of an information than an experience, but I hope you enjoyed it anyways, and I wish you a wonderful day. And this is what happens when you live in a house that a demonologist studied in. But you know what I think is really cool about that? Because like, I know it sounds really strange, but after doing this podcast and all the research and all the stuff we've read throughout our lives and our personal experiences, we've talked about how as long as there's no harm or you don't feel very threatened, we've been accepting of certain things. The only times in my life that I've been afraid of those things has been when I felt threats. So it's cool to know that other people have had that similar experience where you're just like, I know enough about them to know that they don't mean any harm. They don't want to hurt me. And I'm okay with that. And I find that super fascinating to hear that from another point of view, you know, not just from us. Yeah, I found it pretty cool. I like that he grew up like normalizing it. Yeah, totally. I know it sounds weird, but I feel like he people's automatic reaction is fear and they're not always trying to scare you. Right. And I think a lot of people just assume, oh, you have a ghost, you want to bless the house or you want to clear the house out or you want to... You have to understand that before you were born and before your mother was born, these people were there first. So you have to respect that. And if they, you are not being harmed, then you have to kind of respect that it's also where they live, where they died, where they, there's something drawing them to that space still. And it's their prerogative yeah, to stay. Yeah, if they're not hurting you, then like I, like I said, I had experiences growing up. But if there was no harm, there was no foul. And we kind of just left it alone. So I kind of like that story. It's been a while since we covered this topic, and it's super important and personal for me, especially being someone who identifies as female. Women and young girls unfortunately go missing throughout the world, more so than males. And though the number of missing women under 21 is higher than that of over 21, it is still scarily high data that shows when women go missing, most of us don't come back. In the United States, California has the most missing persons in total, with 2,133 people missing oh, on average per population. That's a lot. Way more than I ever thought. Unfortunately, one tourist by the name of Christine Walters disappeared in what is typically known as the hippie area of Northern California in 2008 and has yet to be seen since. In 08, 23-year-old Christine Lindsay Walters had an orderly life with endless possibilities at her feet because she was a botany and ethnobotany student at the University of Wisconsin. And for those who just heard me say those majors and was like, huh? Because like I was like, what's ethnobotany? I know what botany is, but I don't know what ethnobotany is. Botany and ethnobotany combined is the scientific study of the relationship between people and plants. So pretty interesting stuff. Like you can kind of go anywhere with that. Yeah. Christine is described as down-to-earth and independent. She was friendly and self-assured. She loved Pilates and yoga and was good enough to teach both. So she had a part-time job doing that. But like many college students, she held several different jobs, including working at an organic farm as well as her teachings. So she was like a pretty busy chick. She also really loved nature. I mean, come on, she studied plants. And when she was asked if she would want to go on an adventure in Oregon during her summer break in 2008 with a friend, she happily accepted. She headed west from the home she shared in Deerfield, Wisconsin with her parents in order to visit Portland, Oregon to meet a friend. The plan at the time was for her to take the trip and then return to her regular classes that fall. But this simple summer trip was turned into a bizarre odyssey for Christine and a very weird unsolved mystery. It all started perfectly fine, it seemed. Christine had fallen in love with the nature and lifestyle of Oregon and wanted to stay longer than originally planned. She just decided, like, I'm not going to go back to to school. I'm really enjoying this, like, kind of, like... She's young. It happens. Bohemian lifestyle, you know? She maintained regular contact with her parents, calling frequently, and always seeming to be her usual upbeat and cheerful self. She ended up falling with a group of friends out in Oregon and moved to Eureka in Humboldt County, California. But even then, there was no reason to think anything was wrong. She was just an adventurous young woman with wanderlust. Like, her family, her family like, wasn't happy that 
she decided to not go back to school. There's always the worries that, you know, you're getting in with the wrong crowd. You're doing something dangerous. Plus, you tell you tell a family that, like, I'm just going to quit school and travel. And they're just like, they flip their shit. I personally right. think everybody should travel a little bit before deciding to go to school. But yeah. I can understand, especially as a woman, the family being concerned with it. Totally. But at Eureka, she was along a beautiful stretch of rugged coast and its majestic redwood trees and mountains. That sounds amazing. The type of place any outdoor lover like myself would trade most places to get to. And she was very excited about being there. She became very interested in spirituality, the environment, and alternative lifestyle choices. She really took to like the gypsy mentality Humboldt County is known for. However, this is very important to note. Okay. And I didn't know this. While this area is something of a dream for nature lovers, being that it's right by the water, the redwoods and the mountains, it's also kind of a sinister place. There are a number of missing persons cases in that area that are very strange. And to add to that, Humboldt County has the second highest murder rate within the entire state. That's really crazy considering it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a big place. And like Humboldt County is really hippie. Like it actually started a lot of the weed revolution. There's a lot of people up there that live really like remote areas by themselves, very bohemian lifestyle. But then you have this counterpart of just violence. I wonder if they know this living there and just choose to ignore it or or if it's just something that maybe since she wasn't from there she just didn't didn't know this fact about where she was living because it could happen you move somewhere and you don't know the history of it and she thinks this is a great place I mean I live in New York so I'm sure for a lot of people it's like how do you live in New York it's pretty dangerous meanwhile I've lived here my whole life and I'm just like oh well I know what not to do here Right, totally. As if, and like maybe she was with a group of people where she felt safe enough. Right, where that she's was just okay, like they would know? never steer me wrong. They know the place. I can right. trust them. But you know. but Humboldt County, I think it's like the true definition of a mixed bag, if you will. Right, like, let's yeah. put it that way. It was around that time that her calls to her parents began to trail off. So when she got to California, she was all of a sudden the communication much. is okay. yeah. And when they heard from her, she seemed off to them and she would always ask for money. That's weird. Yeah, because she wasn't really working consistently. So she would like call and just be like, hey, I need some money. Like that's kind of when they would hear from her. Then the calls barely came through and then they just stopped altogether and there was no word from her for several weeks. So she just like took off. She went from daily calls to once in a while to just like not calling at all. And you don't know if something happened or if she's just with a new group of people and she just doesn't call anymore because it's not like she was calling every day and then stopped. She was calling less and less and then stopped. You don't even know when it's suspicious at that point. Totally. And it doesn't seem that she owned a cell phone. So it was 2008. Like there were sometimes people didn't have phones like I was one of the few people that I 2008 I had a phone but cell phones came out pretty late when we were in high school like I remember I think I got one like I had to beg my parents for one and I think I was a junior or a senior I was gonna say but even during Mm -hmm. those years a lot of people still didn't have them they weren't common they were expensive there wasn't like unlimited texting yet so a lot of people found it to be like just an expense that they couldn't afford so I know when I was in college there were people always borrowing my cell phone it was it just wasn't what it is now you didn't have Instagram you didn't have you didn't have all these things that kept you on your phone. So even people who had them had them for like emergencies only. Like it wasn't right. it wasn't like constant 24-7 communication with people like it is now. And there was no app like back in the right. day. Especially, there was no app friend finder or like anything like that. Like you were on your own. This community doesn't sound like the community that's going to have a bunch of electronics with them. That's going to mm-hmm. sit there on their cell phones communicating with people all day. They're so about it, alternative lifestyle. Yeah. So it makes sense that she wouldn't have a cell phone. Right. So suddenly and mysteriously, uh, this is when things began to take a turn for the strange and her parents got word about something truly terrifying for any parent to hear or anyone really. On the morning of November 12th, 2008, Christine turned up on a doorstep of a random home in Arcata, which is like a town near Eureka, completely naked, (gasps) feet bloodied, 
with little cuts and nicks all over her body. Oh, my God. The young woman was babbling incomprehensibly in some sort of dazed, trans-like state, which caused the family, who did not know her at all, to immediately call the police. Christine was then taken to the hospital where her story would get even stranger than turning up naked, raving nonsensical things at a stranger's door in the wee hours of the morning. She told the hospital staff that someone had been chasing her through the woods and that the cuts she sustained were from briar bushes. Aside from that, she was very secretive about who was chasing her and why she had been nude. Drug and alcohol tests came back negative, and they couldn't hold her, so it was unclear just exactly what she was talking about or what had happened. Hmm. No drugs and alcohol in her system, so... Negative. Everything came back negative. Once they discharged her, the police took Christine to the Red Lion Hotel at 1929 4th Street. It was only after she was discharged at the hotel she would confide in her mother, Anita, that she had been chased by, quote, demons through the forest, and that she had been, quote, through hell and back without elaborating further, except to say these forces could find her at any time. See, normally I would be like, well, you were in this place, maybe you were on drugs, but the test came back negative. So then I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, I believe her. I mean, you're not, you're not high. You're not on any drugs. You don't seem to have any major psychological issues. So I, I would be so freaked out and concerned. If, if that was my kid, I'd be like on the first flight out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'd be sure. like, yeah, I don't no, know absolutely. what's going on. I'm going to be there. And her mom actually did try. There is a heartbreaking interview with her mom. One thing was clear to both authorities and her parents was that Christine was very scared, stating repeatedly, quote, they're going to find me wherever I go. She did express her wish to come home as soon as possible, and her father wired her $1,000 to help her out. At some point during her, her ordeal, she claimed she had lost all of her identification and papers. So she had her mother fax some important documents to the copy center in Eureka because she had to fix that because you, you can't, can't get on you a can't flight get on a plane. without a license or a passport. You can't even sometimes get on buses without identification. You have to be able to show who you are if you get stopped somewhere. Like it's it's impossible nowadays to get anywhere without some sort of ID. Absolutely. So her mom faxed her over the information at a, cop, at a copy center in Eureka. This copy center would be the last confirmed sighting of Christine Lindsay Walters. On November 14th, Christine turned up at the copy center in the middle of the day at 3.30 p.m., looking a little on the disheveled side and dressed in nothing but her pajamas and slippers. She also seemed a little on edge, and she collected copies of her driver's license and, like, stuffed them in real quick, almost like she didn't want anyone to to see see her identification. And then she turned to the staff and asked them where their local DMV was. She then left the shop and made her way on foot towards the DMV, which was only less than a mile away, but she would never make it there. Two days later, on November 17, 2008, Christine was still nowhere to be seen and was reported as missing. In her bank account sits the $1,000 her father had sent her completely untouched. So she never even got to buy a ticket to come home. Like, she didn't make any arrangements at all yet. Nope. And to this day, the money's still in the bank account, if you can believe that. So a private investigator hired by Walter's parents found out she was more involved in this like cult called the Green Life Evolution Center than they ever would have thought. Like they had heard she was hanging out with a group of friends and was like trying this new lifestyle, but they her parents didn't know about this Green Life Evolution Center. Investigators discovered her stay out west gradually drew her into the realms of spirituality and new age beliefs. She began to fall in with a group of new agers and participated in rituals and shamanic gatherings, such as what is called a cleansing ceremony, oh. utilizing a hallucinogenic concoction produced from a South American vine in Peru called ayahuasca. She purportedly got heavily involved in the environmental group of spiritualists and a potential cult. This was right before her disappearance. Like ayahuasca, I've heard, I actually know several people that have experienced it and stuff like that. And I've never heard of the, I've heard it's scary, 
but I've never heard of it being in a point in someone's life where they feel like there's monsters or demons. Right, and they're being them. chased by demons, yeah. And I also think it's interesting that they also made note that aside from the cult or whatever she was in the, the cleansing ceremony, she was drawn into new age beliefs and spirituality because sometimes you open those kinds of doors without realizing you're opening Right, it. exactly. So it might not even have actually been the ayahuasca. It might have been something she didn't even realize she had done. Well, the police were investigating as well. So like while they were discovering all of this, Christine's backpack was recovered. Where was it, you may ask? They found it at a chapter of the Green Life Evolution Center huh. in Arcata. In Arcata. So not where she where it was, where she wound up. Like no, where they so found, they found her. her backpack in the exact town where she knocked on that person's door. Right. Door. So it's not where they thought she was in that place. They yeah. Were. Whatever money she had on her, they found all the identification she claimed she lost. Hmm. Why would she have said she needed new ID when she knew where it was all along? She was scared. She had to have been scared. That's the only thing I could think of. The owner of the building told police that Christine often left her belongings there when she went out for hikes in the Redwoods. But beyond that, there's no information linking her to disappearance to this cult-like group, at least that they can find. So that wasn't enough to link it? I mean, apparently she, like, it's kind of their thing to just let people leave their backpacks there. And that's what they're claiming. They can't. So they can't prove that they had anything to do with her to just be like, oh, she left her backpack here. because her ID and her money are still in there. If they wanted to rob her, why would they just leave her stuff there? Or if, honestly, if you think about it, if they really wanted to, they would have, don't you think they would have hidden it? Right. Like, I, exactly. if it was me and I knew I did something, I I don't know. I wouldn't just leave it there. Leave it in plain sight kind of is like, hey, we left it in plain sight. We have nothing to hide. But it is a little weird that they didn't try to hide that she was ever there. At their group, I think to them, it's not a big deal. Like, right. they must be thinking to themselves, like, we have nothing to hide. There's nothing there. Unless there's one person in the group that knew what happened. You know what I right, mean? Like, right. we don't really know the circumstances at all. And that's what's crazy about this case. There's so many different avenues you can go down. Because it's like, was she really being chased by something no one no one could see? Was it really a person she just didn't want to identify? Was she having a negative reaction and kind of went into, like, a psychosis? Who knows? The case of Christine Walters has gone on to still be a huge mystery. There's been no clue whatsoever as to what's what's happened to her. No leads, nothing. She just disappeared off of a street in broad daylight and nobody saw anything in a less than one mile radius. She simply evaporated off of the earth. Evaporated. No other word for it. And this it. happened at a time where you didn't have surveillance cameras every every little place. Like now there's literally a surveillance camera everywhere. At that time, they didn't have it outside of little stores or on regular streets that would have even caught her walking and seen where she disappeared. All we know is she disappeared in a less than one mile radius. Exactly. We are left to wonder what her strange appearance at the stranger's house meant, what her ramblings about being chased by demons and someone being out to get her mean. We can only guess as to why she appeared at that coffee shop in her pajamas to get ID that she had already left behind at the center and what happened to her after that. It's been thrown around that the cleansing ceremony she participated in may have had negative effects due to the ayahuasca. Okay. She might have had a psychotic break, but her tests for drugs and alcohol came back clean. They would find say, that. Yeah. They would know what they that is. They would have seen ayahuasca in her tests. Another idea is that she fell in with a bad crowd and had been a victim of foul play. And her mother was quoted saying, quote, after 23 years of raising her, I realized she was with different people in a different environment with different ideas. These ideas were not very good. It was after the tea ceremony that things went bad, unquote. These ceremonies are illegal in the United States. Participants take ayahuasca, a drink containing two drugs, harmine, which is legal in the United States, and demethyltryptane, DMT. 
which is considered a controlled substance. Ingesting ayahuasca causes vomiting, diarrhea, and hallucinations that can last up to 10 hours. That is a very long time to be... Yeah, um, tripping. It has been known to cause adverse reactions, including episodes of depression or mania in some people who are predisposed to mental illness. But again, Christine was a normal Her test came back. Her test came back negative. She's never had mental issues. She's never had an episode as far as her parents know. I'm sure she dabbled in smoking weed and maybe doing the occasional mushrooms. But at that time, she had nothing in her system. She had nothing in her system. And someone would have seen her vomiting. Someone would have seen her doing things that were clearly drug-induced. However, there's no way to know if this is true or not, and um, none of the people she's been known to hang out with has ever been treated as a person of interest. Again, because there's nothing. She just, there's nothing tying, there's yeah. nothing. There's no one tying anything. There's nothing that they can find. The case and all of its odd details have puzzled everyone since, with one private investigator hired by the family stating, this has been one of the most baffling cases I've ever seen in my 20 years of investigating missing persons cases throughout this country, end quote. The case has never been solved. Christine family continues to look for answers. Is it possible Christine's still out there somewhere? She might be going by the names of Airy Meadow, Star Meadow, or Airy Star. So these are all. Well, like, what money would she be doing it with if that thousand dollars is still in her account? I don't know. She might not even be in the Eureka area anymore. She could be anywhere, but there has been no confirmed sightings. Which is weird because in almost every single missing persons case, even when we find out that they're dead later, there's always a sighting somewhere. Somebody always thinks they saw the person or some. It's very weird that I hear a case where there's absolutely no sighting of the person ever again. Ever again. And when I was listening to the interview with her mother, she said there was one moment when she, it was actually because it had been two days, and she said she just got a sinking feeling in her stomach, and it was just like a bunch of rumblings, and her emotions got the best of her. And she said since that day, she's never felt her daughter's presence ever again. And as a parent, that that's very strange because you always hear... The mother's especially stating, like, I feel them. They're still here. For her to say, I don't, I literally don't feel her anymore is very heartbreaking and has to be hard to deal and with. And though the rest of her family continues to look for her, her mother just recently put, actually was in a in another podcast they did an interview with September. And they, she, she stated that, you know, she still wants to know what happens to her daughter, but she has no faith whatsoever that she's alive. She's like, there's no way she wouldn't contact me. There's no way she wouldn't. There's no way nobody would have seen her or she would have taken that money or nobody would have. Like nowadays, it's very impossible to be anywhere without some sort of trace. You have to have a bank account. You have to have a job. You have to have something to get through. There's no way nobody saw her if she was alive at this point. Anita Walter stated in the next podcast that she's going to stop publicly talking to people about her daughter's case because no matter how much she's exposed to it, there's still no sightings of her. So like, what's the point? Which is, it must be so hard. It'd be so hard parent. for her to drag up that, like to have to drag those emotions up every single time she talks to somebody new. And she was still emotional about it. And this was 2020, hearing her talk on this podcast. Christine Walters would now be 35. At the time of her disappearance, she was described as 5'2", 100 to 115 pounds. Caucasians with strawberry blonde hair and very big blue eyes. The easiest feature to see of hers is a large iris tattoo that sits on the back of her neck in green and purple ink. She also has a little butterfly tattooed on her left hip in black. She doesn't wear makeup. She would have a nose ring in her left nostril and several different piercings in both ears. If you have any information on what happened to Christine, please contact the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office at 707-445-7251 or reach out to her family on Facebook where a page remains active to this day. That's so sad. It's hard because she didn't do anything that so many people don't do as, as at she that age. She was exploring her options and something And that's something that we all happened. want. We want to travel the world. We want to meet new people. We want to experience new experiences. I took such a long break from college that I'm just now going back. So like it happens, but it's just so scary because any decision that you make could lead to 
anything. And we just, it's, it's just, it's terrible. And, and it's, I don't it even... just sucks. And this is like one of the harder part about being a woman is like, it's so hard to stay vigilant and try to also be adventurous. And that's the hard part is like, right. You have There's to be a lot of experiences mindful. you can't do. You know, I would love to take a walk at three o'clock in the morning because I want to see the stars in the sky, but I can't do that. It's hard for anybody, but it's very hard for a woman in New York to do that kind of stuff. You know, I've always, always, always wanted to travel to another country by myself. I will literally never do it because that just is something that I don't think that I can do. It's just, it's terrible. And I feel so much for the family, especially when she's literally saying, I'm not going to talk about this anymore because there's no hope. And I'm sure she's probably, I can't imagine having to come to that decision. Yeah, it must have been really, really tough. And this is in 2008. So we're talking, what, 12 years now. 12 years so ago. It's, it's been a long time. And there's so many cases where you hear about women that just fall off the face Vanish. of the earth. And I just wanted people to know Christine's name. I just really hope anybody out there that knows something, it is never too late to come forward. It is never too late to give a family closure. I would love it if before her mom left this earth, she could just know what the hell happened to her daughter, get her body, say goodbye to her, let her lay her to rest. I just don't understand how people can keep a secret like this. I don't even know if it's so much a secret too. I mean, is it possible that she really was chased by demons? Is it possible that she doesn't live on this plane anymore? And that's what's so crazy about this case. There is no evidence whatsoever of a single individual. And that's what's crazy. There's no one person they can track down. What kind of entity can do that? Just a thought. Thanks for the mind fuck, Christy. (laughs) Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? So I have a who does that from our friends up in Canada. Woohoo! This actually happened recently on Sunday, November 22nd. I got this from CNN.com. And the headline reads, Canadian officials warn drivers not to let moose lick their cars. I actually, you know, it's funny. I saw that headline and went, the f*** is that? Like, <laughs> I was, what does that mean? Who lets... Okay, I need you to explain this to me. I'm just... Because I just saw the headline. I didn't want to read it because I was like, there's too many questions. There's the first thing that pops up is like pictures, you know, like when you're driving on a highway and they have those big like neon signs when it's telling you to like merge a lane or like slow down where your seatbelt, it literally has two, it's literally a sign that says, do not let moose lick your car. (laughs) Canadian officials have an important message for you. Do not let moose lick your car. Yes, you read that right. Officials in Jasper, an alpine town in Canada's Alberta province, have put up signs asking motorists to avoid allowing moose to lick the salt, a treat moose find hard to resist off their cars. They're obsessed with salt. It's one of the things they need for the minerals in their body, Jasper National Park spokesman Steve Young told CNN. They usually get it from salt lakes in the park, but now they realize they can also get road salt that splashes onto cars. At the Jasper National Park, where people often park on the side of the road in hopes of catching a glimpse of the moose, letting the animals near near your car is actually a serious sign of danger. By allowing moose to lick the salt off your car, they will become habituated with being around cars, and that poses a risk both to the animals and the drivers who can accidentally crash into them. Moose and cars are not a good mix. If you hit the moose with your car, you can take the legs out from under it, and it's going through your windshield, Young said. The best way to stop a moose from coming close to your car is simply driving away when you see them approaching, he added. Another important warning Young and other officials continue to emphasize is the importance of staying inside your car and avoiding any interactions with the wildlife, including moose, which I feel like should be self-explanatory. Like it should have already been common sense. See, this is what I love about Canadian stories. Their issues, their problems are still cute. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, this is what you have to worry about right now. Like we're sitting here in the middle of a political war, in the middle of all of this. Our numbers are skyrocketing. And you're like, please don't let the moose lick salt. Why wasn't I born in Canada? You know, we've asked this question a lot in the time that we've had this podcast. 
But while other animals typically run away when humans approach, moose will stand their ground and charge if they feel threatened. We've been seeing a lot more moose lately. The wolf population is decreasing, which means there's fewer predators, and the moose population is going up as a result, Young said. This also means people need to be respectful and give them space. Visitors are not allowed to feed, entice, or disturb wildlife in national parks, and violators could face fines up to $25,000, he added. So yeah, Canadians, stop letting moose lick your cars. Bless you, Canada. Bless you. I just, I get the whole, like, parking to maybe see a moose, but, like, why would you get out of the car? I'd be moose too scared. Are, has, has anybody ever seen a moose? They're fucking I huge. was scared to let deer feed corn out of my hands, and they were friendly deer. When you're from New York City, you're just scared of anything bigger than a dog. Yeah. <laughs> or a rat. And sometimes people are still afraid of dogs there, so, yeah. So, like, yeah, we don't do wildlife. Mm-hmm. I have seen a deer up close. I enjoy nature. I'm starting to enjoy it in more interactive ways than I thought. I used to just think like, oh, I like it from afar. Like, I'm actually enjoying being in nature more and more. It's something you have to just steadily get used to. And I guess if you're from that area, you're just so used to seeing them, you're not really afraid of it. So the it kind of makes sense. The only reason I think I'm used to it is because as a kid, we had friends that lived upstate, like in Catskills, that we went to go visit in the summer and the winter. So I got to see a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. So I actually have experiences with deer and I think that they're really beautiful and like stuff like that. But I would not go near a fucking moose. That shit is <laughs> fucking huge. But yeah. Don't let them. They're obsessed with salt. We learned something new. Moose like salt. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, comment, buy our merch, all that other crap that we tell you every single week. I have, I'm tired. I don't remember. But most importantly, stay weird like Vicky Americas. <laughs> Bye. Bye.